What's up, bitches? I'm Gaia. I'm Nita. And I'm Harris. And this is Bitch Why. Our podcast where we talk about all the things we like and dislike and why anyone would make them. We are just a couple of artsy bitches, a triple of artsy bitches, learning about what makes art good and how to talk about it. And we, we have Harris today. Harris Singer, friend of the pod. Thank you for having me. He's he's on the every episode. <laughs> I would say I would say boyfriend of the pod. <gasps> oh my god. SO of the pod. SO of the pod. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's, Amazing. Let's, let's get into the snacks. Nita, I know you've been snacking on my love life. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What else oh. though? <laughs> Um, I have been snagging on, and if anyone follows me on Twitter, you know this, I've been insufferable about it. I have been snacking on Bollywood movies, specifically one from my childhood called Cubby Cushy Cubby Gum. It's so fun. That that translates to sometimes there's happiness and sometimes there's sorrow that's what that means but it's so good it's like three hours 30 minutes long i showed it to my friend ava friend of the pod ava and she was like loving it and it was a really good time and we stayed up till like 4 a.m before i flew home to watch it and i've just been like i don't know i made the mistake of telling that like when i listen to indian music i like feel my ancestors and they were like I don't get it, but okay. Like, like, I don't understand what that means. And I was like, that's okay. Uh, you don't need to, but I do. And it, 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 and it, like, it's unlocking a lot of stuff for me. And I, like, made a letterboxed list of Bollywood movies for people. So maybe I'll put it in the show notes. But I think it's, like, I don't know. I'm just, like, unlocking a lot of... Like, I'm like, oh, that's why I am the way I am. And, like, oh, that's why I rejected, like, Indianness and Indian femininity for a long time. Like, I don't know. I'm just watching these movies and things are clicking. And then, um, I don't know how to say this person's name. Is it Ocean Vuong? Do you know who I'm talking about? I this know exactly writer? who you're talking about. Yes. NYU did... alum. NYU alum? Did I say their last yeah, name I'm right? I'm pretty sure. I think it's Vuong, but... Um... Vuong? Okay. Okay. Ocean Vuong has a quote that says, um, being queer saved my life. Often we see queerness as deprivation, but when I look at my life, I saw that queerness demanded an alternative innovation from me. I had to make alternative routes. It made me curious. It made me ask, this is not enough for me. Heard. Like, I, like, that makes sense to me. And I'm so glad, like, I don't, uh, observe art from, like, a straight cis perspective. Um, it's so much more interesting and exciting to, like, see the things especially from a cultural perspective to be able to be critical of it and i think we might record we might do an episode about my favorite bollywood movie just to see how it does with people but um we should also do an episode about ocean vuong we should that's good because we haven't done a lot of books aside from it um let's do let's do a book of poetry we should do a book of poetry but but yeah i think i'm i'm just really i'm feeling very grateful that i that I can even have these thoughts and, like, these critical feelings about this movie um, and understand my place in it and not be sad about it, though. Because I think a few months ago I would have been, but now I'm I'm in a place that's feeling a lot more like, I don't know, I feel like I'm standing in my power or whatever. Okay, Gaia, what are you snacking on? 
I've been like eating snacks this week like a madman. I've been <laughs> I've been I've just been crunching down media. I watched Queen's Gambit and it was really good and I I recommend it. I think it'd be fun to review with you actually, Nita, because I Okay. I I'd like, like, it's a show that's full of white people, and that's not that great. Um, And that was kind of frustrating, but it was also a really well-made show, and I'd like to study what it does good about storytelling so we can make shows like it, but with, like, you know, people of color in them. Mm. I um, watched a Christmas movie called Anna and the Apocalypse, which is a a zombie Christmas musical. Um, It's not good. But but watch it anyway, because you'll have so much fun. Wait, you'll have fun? Isn't that all that? Isn't that the goal of that movie? Exactly. Though? So it didn't succeed. It did succeed. It's like, it's like narratively incoherent. Like a solid third so of life. the characters. So is, so is Mama Mia. <laughs> a solid third of the characters, like when they're on screen, you're like, please get off screen. I don't wanna. I don't wanna listen to you speak that's not good um and they survive longer than you want them to um but it's like it's fun and and there's like it's a british zombie movie so you can see it takes notes from Shaun of the dead which is one of my favorite zombie movies um yeah it's so good and so it, it was a fun time and then i um i went So I've been snowboarding because I live in Colorado um, and um, I I left early yesterday because I was um, because I was tired because my body is weak and (laughs) I was like, hmm, I wonder about what I want to read about skiing accidents in like me fashion. And I read, I found this article about the 1976 Vail gondola crash where two gondola cars fell, which is everyone's worst nightmare. It's only happened once in Colorado in 1976. So it's not like a huge thing that happens, but I found this article from 1976, the most fascinating coverage of, of like, a skiing accident that I've ever read. It was so gripping. It, I was like on the edge of my seat waiting to hear about this gondola crash. So I'm definitely going to make us link it in the show notes because it was amazing. Gaia, have you seen that movie called Frozen? It's about a ski lift. It's a, oh, okay. it's a no, scary movie. I was going to say, let it go. No, 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 no. It's, sorry, <laughs> fuck me up. I forgot that there's a whole other Oh, they're on like a... They're on a little chairlift. Yeah, they're on the chairlift, and they... Oh my god, it's so... At one point, and this is kind of, like, not a spoiler, because it's in the trailer, but one of the people decides to just, like, fall down. They're like, I'll do it. And he tries to land on his feet, and then he lands, and then his bones snap out of his like out of his shins oh my god yeah. it's so <sighs> oh my god i have two crazy lift stories i'm sorry i'll tell them well, so we, fast we know so. one because it's the i'll tell you i'll tell the listeners the crazy one from my okay. life but okay. this is one that happened in colorado a couple years ago um a man fell off a ski lift somehow <sighs> and got entangled by his neck so he was choking um and he passed out but the guy in a couple chairs back was a professional slackliner, so he climbed up his chair onto the cables, traversed over to his chair, climbed down onto the chair, and cut him free and saved his life. Whoa. 
And I was like, that is so awesome. I have, I, I have an obsession with slacklining. Um, I don't know how to do it, but I'm obsessed with it. And, and um, it really, like, activated that within me. And my chairlift story, which one of the worst chairlift stories I've ever heard, is my dad and I were on the longest chairlift in Colorado um, with some strangers pre Wait, Gaia, we know this one. You said this one on the podcast. I've said this one on the pod. The one where the person was like, oh, she's dead. And then yeah. your friend, we did that in the Midsommar episode. Never mind then. It was crazy. <laughs> yeah, because you talked about keening. You talked yeah. about keening. Yeah. So yes. that's my, that's my like wild life, life lift story. Um, oh my God. And those are all nice. my snacks this week. I've been like, I've been like going like crunch, 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 crunch. Harris, what are you snacking on? So I recently downloaded this vid game, this video game called <laughs> Where the Water Tastes Like Wine. Um, and it's like right during the Depression is where it's set. And it's about collecting stories. So oh. it's just a game full of like tiny little magical realism stories set in the Depression. And it's really lovely. And the art style is really nice. And I'm just vibing with it. And then I have one other snack where when I went to go to the High Museum, which is right by me where I live in Atlanta... Um, to go early vote, uh, everybody vote in Georgia. There's a statue, a Rodin statue called the Shade that like sits in oh, front a of the High statue Museum. Statue for Harris. Yeah, and <laughs> Rodin statues are my favorite thing in the world. That is as so all funny because I know. <laughs> also love them, and I didn't know that about you. Have I, you not? Anyway, maybe it's because I, I directed his play, which is like Harris's Rodin wet dream. <laughs> yeah. I really like statues, but there's this weird thing that I was thinking about when I saw the statue. The statue is in memoriam for these art patrons in Atlanta who died in a plane crash. Um, and all I could think about was this statue is supposed to be on the gates of hell. Um, mm-hmm. Why are you like giving this museum a statue? Because France gave it to the museum. Mm-hmm. Like, why are you giving us this statue that was like what you see it when you enter hell? Are you saying these art patrons go to hell? I don't think I don't think that's what they meant. It's just a little strange to me, but it's a beautiful statue. It's mm-hmm. called The Shade, if anyone wants to see it. Yes, I'll put it in the show notes. Wow, look at us. Oh, let me do the roadmap. Yes, wait, do the roadmap first. <laughs> yes! If you're new to bitch, why? Um, then you probably don't know how our structure works, but if you're not, then you just like to listen to me riff on this, I bet. Um, but I'll, every single one of our episodes is made up of four parts, bitch. What? An introduction to what the heck we're talking about. Bitch, how? A technical rundown of how it succeeds, how it fails, whether or not it is possible to succeed and fail as a piece of art on its own. Bitch, time. Three minutes where we just get to speak and we don't have to think. And finally, bitch, why? A sum up of the implications and why all this matters. And the bitch meter, which is our little, it's our little divorce, diversity, diversity, the mamita. That um, doesn't necessarily um, indicate quality, but often correlates with quality. Beautiful. Thank you. Okay. So, what we're talking about this Christmas is Halloween. I'm so excited. 
I'm so excited. Um, this was such a good idea. I don't remember who had Thank this you. idea, but it was it so was good. Me. It was definitely you. Yeah, that makes sense. I um, was like, okay, so this 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 winter, you, this December, you may have noticed that we've been going like backwards in in order of like Christmasiness. So like we started with like a Christmas movie, and then we did a different Christmas movie, but that's not about Christmas. And then now we're doing Halloween. Hell yeah. Well, because also it won the franchise showdown like a month ago and then we were all just like too busy to think about <laughs> fulfilling that promise, but we've done it and that's our Christmas gift to you, bitches. Yay. Amazing. Happy Hanukkah, everybody. Yes. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah and happy um, Kwanzaa and happy, happy, Kwanzaa. All the, happy Christmas. All the holidays. And uh, yeah, beautiful happy holiday that you celebrate um yeah I hope or, that... or not at all if you don't celebrate a holiday that's valid i hope that all the bitches out there are with <laughs> the people that they want to be around and they mm. eat some really good food um and that's what i hope for them this week we're just talking about halloween 1978 and then 2018 and then i will throughout the episode maybe talk about some other ones but we just don't there's y'all there's like 11 of these movies um but i've seen all of them and like but we're not talking about yeah neither seen all of them i feel like harris you've also seen all of them at some point at some point but they're so lost in the soup of my brain yeah same Mm -hmm. (laughs) um all right now it's time to get into bitch what Halloween, 1978. Back in 1963, young Michael Myers violently stabs his babysitter slash sister Judith to death. After she and banged! Sorry. She bangs her boyfriend and then Sex little... Sex is evil. Yeah, little Michael Myers is like, oh, you're a whore. Time to die. Um, And then after he's in a hospital for like 15 years, he escapes and the his like psychiatrist doctor Sam Loomis played by Donald Pleasance goes after him uh Michael ends up killing like a slew of people and a bunch of babysitters except for our final girl Lori Strode played by Jamie Lee Curtis who can rail me he kills off all her friends until she is left to stab him with a coat hanger and a knitting needle which you know do with all of that information she, what you and will. a knife and a knife, but it's like, yeah. Anyway, I'll talk knife. about it later. I'll talk about can it later. I do, can I do the twenty eighteen one? Yes, you can. Um, uh, and then, nice. and then he, they, uh, her and Doctor Loomis throw him off the side of the house, and then he's oh, he's disappeared because Michael Myers can't be killed, which is a big problem. Uh, but then in the 2018 movie, the 2018 movie ignores the, like, ten subsequent Halloween movies that happened between 1978 and 2018 and picks up when Jamie Lee Curtis is, um, like, a grown-up older person with a daughter and a granddaughter, a teenage granddaughter. Jamie Lee Curtis, Miss Laurie Strode, has been absolutely um, fucked up by her encounter with Michael Myers. She's made her life's mission to prepare herself for defeating him one day and then prepare her daughter for defeating him one day. But this has left her daughter estranged from her. So when Michael Myers escapes and starts killing people... Madame Laurie Strode is like, I am here to help. 
and she <laughs> she goes on a witch hunt with the cops. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, oh and but they're pretty useless. They're, they're pretty useless. useless. They really don't do anything. But it definitely anything, is but... not a movie that is not advocating for excessive force. Um, this is a movie that likes excessive force. Anyway, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis and her granddaughter and her daughter uh, end up trapping Michael Myers and using their wits to defeat him and um, become not one final girl, but three final girls. Three generations of final girls. I think the best moment in the entire thing that I watched was when her, her Jamie Lee Curtis's daughter is like, oh no, I can't do it. I can't do it. When Michael Myers is sitting out there and she's waiting for him to show up and she's like, I can't do it. I can't shoot him. And then when she says that, he comes out and she's like, gotcha. And oh. kills him. It was hot. Very good. It was hot. It was hot. I was, it was like, hot. I was like, because I was really mad at how dirty they did Karen who is the name of the daughter her Her name is karen yeah i know like we we must come to terms i was like they did her so dirty but then they didn't do her dirty because she could still like kill michael myers so it's time for bitch bitch, it's time for bitch how How did it go? How's it How going? How did it go? How's it going? <laughs> One thing I noticed is with, and you can kind of, Gaia, you mentioned this when we were talking on the phone the other day, but you're like, you can kind of track the way that slasher movies have changed <gasps> yeah, from these I have two to say, movies. Well, I was going to say, I wrote this in a letter to a friend of mine. I felt like when I watched, I watched 1978 and 2018, like back to back with my dad and my sister. And... It felt like because 1978 is one of the, like, most influential slasher movies of all time, um, it really, like, shaped the genre and it was kind of the blueprint for slasher and horror. Um, Mm -hmm. And then watching 1978, which is kind of, like, a retrospective on horror and slasher, was just, like, such a fascinating, like, fishbowl to, like, look at horror movies through. Because I feel like our concept of horror movies right now is in a huge state of change like mm-hmm. the 2018 one almost like marks the end of the era of kind of like mindless slasher because horror right now what's exciting in horror is people are saying interesting things in horror and like using horror for social commentary in a way that is like very exciting and is rejuvenating the genre and so it was really exciting to see see it in the context of like like they this is a screenshot of horror yes i was like this is a screenshot of horror but it was also something that kind of disappointed me with this movie was that it felt like a like a minute before the screenshot should have been because there was so much humor in this movie and i was like i think that's a a trope from like recent scary movies that has kind of I, I feel like is starting to be washed away that they're they're minimizing the actual horror with with lots of comedy in their movies and I was like why is every actor in this movie a comedian and it just really confused me because the the original Halloween movie has like no humor at all like a little bit but... yeah so my thoughts on that actually are like when you watch the way that victims are just kind of 
like killed off in the first movie we don't get to spend a lot of time with them my guess to why like comedy is the first thing well one because of scream like scream was a huge thing in the middle of these two movies that like changed the horror genre because for a while after scream everyone even even like the halloween movies that are like eliminated from the timeline after um scream h2o came out and had a lot more like comedy in it it was a lot like the script was really boom 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 like super tight um because people were just like craving for that and they craving like this meta sort of situation um but i do think that like i really liked the babysitter vicky in this one i really liked i loved how her i loved her and and like the reason you fo- you like these victims before they get off is because they're just a little funny and a little like interesting and I think like what I like about that is like humanizing the victims before they're we know they're gonna die like you know that and I think that the movie knows that you know that and and I think since Scream has known that you know that so they're like okay great might as well make it fun um before we just send them off to to be killed and i think that's interesting also something i noticed is that like normally the victims are killed because they like had sex and so like they weren't paying attention when michael myers or some other monster has entered the house vicky and dave don't get to sex yet they don't even i think dave gets a tattoo on his shoulder of like because they're like we're gonna fuck and like they're so excited to do that and they don't even get to do that before they're killed and i think she also like i don't know like does a pretty good job of fighting back in a way that like i hadn't seen victims in the halloween movies do before this Again, this is all really rooted in, in, like, I've, I've been immersed in, like, reading about Final Girls and, like, the Final Girl circuit and all of that, and I think that one thing I'm playing with with my paper is this is kind of the closing of, of what a Final Girl is. I think the closest thing we have to a Final Girl as of late is Midsommar, but Danny's Final Girl story is so bleak and different, and also she doesn't do any sort of killing, um physically she doesn't Uh, kill the evil she gets subsumed by it she gets consumed by it and then is also just in that trope the final girl standing she actually doesn't even have a moment which is like carol clover's article um her body himself which outlines um uh the final girl the terrible place which is like another trope uh the body like everything that she talks about that kind of like a lot of these final girl movies fall into Danny doesn't even have a moment of, like, seeing all of her friends' bodies, like, running around a house or whatever and being like, oh my god, and, like, the bodies are, like, showing up. She doesn't have any of that. The Really, the only thing is that she's the only person left standing. So I think we're kind of, the final girl is kind of going away. Um, and Lori actually is framed as the monster for a lot of this movie. There's a lot of conversations where, like, the Loomis-esque character is, like, um, it's interesting to see how victims, you know, react, and, um, the journalist, before he's killed when they're driving to the house, he's like, it's almost as if they're both monsters of their own making, because now Lori has, like, locked herself away, and isolation can do things to you, and then also, like, Michael Myers throws her off the side of the house, and then she falls. And then falls. she teleports. And then, yeah, and then she teleports, so, so, like, I think, like, and also to her family, Lori has, like, 
killed the childhood of her daughter and subsequently almost Allison's and then Lori like creates basically a death trap in the way like a saw style death trap for Michael Myers I think the only way for this franchise to end and unfortunately it's not ending there's there's another one coming out called Halloween Kills yeah in 2021 I think that's so Um, sad I was listening to all the credits, and at the end Me credits, too. you can hear Michael Myers breathing, breathing. through the mask. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, it's yeah. not over, but also it's so unfair because that was such a perfect ending. But I think the uh, if if like you want to just look at these two movies side by side, and I won't mention that there's another one coming out in my paper because I'm trying to get my argument right. I think the only way for that to have ended because we followed this final girl for so long, whether or not the, those other movies count, um, the only way is for her to become the monster. I have two, I have like three thoughts about horror that mm-hmm. I want to express. One, that reminds me of a quote from the new Jim Crow, which I've just started, which I'm not going to get right. I'm just going to paraphrase, which is that people don't become violent without first having violence gotten onto them. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just like an interesting thought. I think like a challenge that I had with these movies was I'm like a zoom out kind of person. And mm-hmm. I was like, Michael Myers is an interesting villain because he's just evil. He's just evil <laughs> for yeah, like no reason. And everyone evil. talks about how evil he is. And he's just like evil and violent and unstoppable. And the only way to stop him is to detain him. And I as someone who thinks about prison and um, justice, like, kind of nonstop, um, was really kind of compelled by that thought as, like, a cultural, as, like, a piece of cultural iconography. Like, Michael Myers is an evil that can only be held. It cannot be killed or stopped. And, like, that, and kind of, like, the thesis of each of these movies is, like, Michael Myers is always there. He's always evil, and he's always going to kill you. And there's no... And you just have to keep him locked away and hidden. And because this movie shows, like, the violence of the institution that he's locked within, like, violently suppressed. And I I don't know. I think that's, like, an interesting um, way to look at the way that our society views people who are violent um, as kind of innately so and unreformable and unchangeable so that was interesting another thing that i was thinking about is it's really interesting to watch the first this is like fully independent um it was really interesting to watch the first movie with my dad and sister and we were able to just kind of like be like you are about to be punished by the narrative and i think that halloween is a movie that really like like you can kind of see very clearly the way characters can be punished by the narrative for immoral action which happens in a lot of movies but when you look at it in halloween you can start to apply the understanding of the punishment for immoral actions into a lot of different movies so you know that jamie lee curtis is going to survive the whole movie because she's the only one who's like morally unsullied because she's got like this maternal thing going on and the other characters are having sex and doing drugs, which makes you um, a bad person. Hate them. Well, Hate having them. sex, <laughs> doing drugs, kissing a girl without consent. Mm-hmm. Kissing a girl without consent. That's an interesting one because I can't think of another horror movie situation 
on the top off the top of my head where like I don't know I do think though you can see not that I I don't know if I'm defending it or not but I think you can track the the way like we've changed our ideals about what is punishable um and I know that like sex and then getting killed is such a trope but I just noticed that they didn't even get to have sex yet and I just thought that that was interesting yeah um it was a thought crime it was a thought crime (laughs) (laughs) and then the journalists get murked but like they were we knew that they were gonna get murked I'm actually surprised they waited so long why did we yeah why did they spend so much time with them so much time well because I like wanted more time with those with the babysitter. An expositional tool. Yeah, I'm actually trying to think about like why the fuck we had them for so long. Like they really. I I was watching this movie um while writing a script, and one of the things that I was thinking about a lot is like this movie, the 2018 movie, had a big problem that the 1978 movie, which has like such a tight, tight script, the 2018 movie has a problem with overexposition. Um, and there's like a couple pro- instances with that, but like the the journalists are like a sign of their overexposition. They like spend a lot of time with them that they, we don't really need. Like we end up getting what's going on before the movie's done explaining uh, it to us. There's like a couple extra scenes, like, like they overexpose on how Jamie Lee Curtis is paranoid and her family distrusts her. Like they harp on that for a long time and I think what they're trying to do by doing over exposition is emulate what happens in the 1978 movie which is this beautiful slow build where you're like kind of like oh when's it gonna happen when's it gonna happen when's it gonna happen but mm-hmm. you're, you're they can't do that like they're not good enough for that I would have just made a shorter movie mm-hmm. I think well I think the problem though with a lot of these remakes sequels franchise things is is like kind of like you have the Marvel problem too where it's like Great, so if no one's seen anything up until Avengers Age of Ultron, we gotta make sure they know who the fuck these people are on the screen. That was a big thing I remember when, like, uh infinity war came out every like people came in, they were like, Well, that was the only one I saw and I just didn't get what was going on. And then I was like, Well, ma'am, like, why did why what did you think? Like, did you think you could have just walked right in and like Everything would have made sense to you. However, they, like, do try to explain a lot in those movies if you don't know to, like, catch you up. I must say, though, I think Halloween is a lot easier to mm-hmm. have a short exposition than Infinity War. Yeah, oh, no, for sure. I, I, but I, you, I could feel in the script, even, even, like, in the last lines where they're like, it's not a, it's not a cage honey it's a trap i'm like you didn't need to say that you didn't that was implied like it was was so much more interesting if you say nothing in that moment because when would you have also i'm thinking i'm thinking about like when you're being chased down and you're stressed the fuck out i feel like your brain is not in the mood to come up with like interesting quips or like narrative explanations of things i'm like like you're not thinking straight for any of this i do love though when jamie lee curtis laurie is hunting michael down in her house and like uh that moment with the closet where she's just sitting there looking at the closet for so long in that one room is is really like the tension is so good in that moment and like you've got the call back to the closet because yeah. she's like i know you're fucking in there bitch and then he's not it's like a like there's some there's some gems in this and i think if you're gonna do a sequel to halloween which like has a lot riding on it i like Lori, sally from texas chainsaw and i would say one there's one there's probably one other 
like maybe maybe uh what's her name from Nightmare on Elm Street like those are like very prominent final girls and I think if you're gonna give a final girl like a send-off like this is it it's so it's so it's not tight uh script wise but it's tight in like uh synthesizing Emotion. the franchise yeah mm-hmm. I agree I also I wanted to talk about how the first movie was made with three hundred thousand dollars yeah mm-hmm. and I love that because I think that that is like like Hollywood right now is really obsessed with the big budget picture um and like kind of like as you become a more respected director you just get more and more money which is like that's kind of where the path leads um in the film industry these <laughs> days i feel like halloween was such a great masterclass in like how you can do interesting shit with film without any money you don't need money to like and like you could see there's like a couple things that are like workarounds for them where it was like it was like, oh, they're filming this in the dark because it's scary, but it's also because they have a tiny budget and they don't have a lot of lighting money. Like, here's how you do interesting things with lighting and with tension and with pacing with no money. And it was so fabulous. I was really excited about it because so many of my friends are making low-budget movies in my life. I'm currently making a low-budget movie. <laughs> and it's just exciting. I'm excited. It is, it, I mean, and also, like, the things people can do with so... I mean, the equipment I bought for my movie was around, like, 250 The rest of the money was spent on, like, feeding my crew. But, yeah, like, that was really... That was, you know, that was kind of it. But, like, so much can be done with so little, and I think we forget that. But I think the slasher genre and the horror genre, like, as a whole is very good at doing a lot with nothing, especially when you go back uh, farther and farther. I was going to ask you, Gaia, when you were talking about the thing about, like, Michael Myers is just evil and the only way to, like, stop him is to detain him. There's a lot where, like, there's voiceover and they're like, it must die because it's, like, Dr. Loomis's um, diagnosis or whatever. Do you think this movie has anything to say about the death penalty? I had, like, baby <laughs> thoughts, but I was, like, maybe Gaia has I better mean, thoughts, he, which is thing. Like, this movie, there's a movie, <laughs> if you, like, look, if you start thinking too hard about, like, mm-hmm. the mental illness and criminal justice parts of it, this movie is, like, not intelligent. Like, it oh, doesn't... yeah, it, no. It doesn't have, like, a, like, well-thought-out understanding of criminal justice it Mm -hmm. likes crime in the sense that it likes gore and like it wants people to feel fear for like the big scary criminals that are out there that want to eat them so like i kind of understand what you're saying when like it could be saying something about the death penalty because it has this whole like michael myers can't be killed he can only be held um Mm -hmm. idea but it's so it's so much more harmful in its messaging surrounding justice that it like i think all the harm it does offsets any anything kind it might have to say about the death penalty harris you oh have something yeah no to say. harris yeah. what were you gonna say <laughs> i i i do have to say though that i think in the movies they at least the new one they kind of go out of their way to like show that michael myers isn't like any other like prisoner or, mm-hmm. or mentally ill patient that exists because they have that little scene where they talk about what all the other patients were doing when they escaped. Mm -hmm. And they were like at a gas station, just like eating or something. And they weren't doing anything bad. Um, But Michael Myers is like such a, I I, like the boogeyman. He's not real. He's like a fake thing. And 
obviously the implications of that like just how audience members take it in ends up being like oh he can exist in the actual criminals of the world but at least i think if you're a i don't know perceptive viewer or not necessarily perceptive but you'll notice that he isn't he he's he's so outlandish and i think the movie is aware of that and it tries to make that clear at least in little bits of dialogue yeah it's confusing to see him in prison though i will say like it's it's different from silence of the lambs where like the thing that's scary about hannibal lecter is that he is a human Harris, I also noticed that, like, that moment, I felt like the movie was trying to be like, no, yeah, we, we get this, but, like, we're, we're, like, we're progressive now, like, we understand yeah. this, but by, like, kind of framing, like, they're like, ooh, this institution is so cruel, but first of all, I thought the scene where all the inmates start screaming at the mask I was, gonna say was they're absolutely howling. tasteless. I hated it, I hated it, so, because it also, like, weirdly implies that they... By, by like, suffering from mental illness, it's, like, the possession trope that, like, you're closer to spirituality or something because your, like, mental state is fucked up, and, like, that's weird to me, and I don't really like that because I think that there's, like, a lot of writing on whether or not, like, people actually were just dealing with, like, schizophrenia or something instead of, like, being possessed, and I feel like it, like, does some weird some weird um conflating with those two things in that moment and they're like howling the dogs are barking the dogs barking also suggests like a supernatural element so then when you when you add that in with like all of these mental patients like screaming and like understanding something i just think it's like we're going too far into a different genre that we don't need to go into and also it is tasteless like all of the messaging it has about like oh look like look how like like fascist this um mental institution is mm-hmm. um look how cruel the people who are uh, caretakers here are um it negates anything interesting that it might have to say about that because all of that was worth it because it kept michael myers in prison everything yeah. about that was justified it's it's like the trope where where it's hard to create racist allegories be, racism allegories because it's like a lot of times when you make racism allegories they have like a real reason for to fear the the like other that is established and so it makes the entire thing fall apart because you're like well the point of racism is that it's irrational um okay and, zootopia yeah exactly <laughs> um, like literally zootopia <laughs> Yeah, um, and so the the problem with then being like, oh yeah, we're gonna like like frame how bad these institutions are and how harmless the other people are is that it's like, well, everything, any framing that you have surrounding that is negated by your narrative. So, right. like, respond. This is a weird thought, but why didn't Michael Myers, why didn't he kill all those patients? Yeah, exactly. I I feel like that kind of would have... No, but that's, like, such an interesting consideration. It's like, oh, he wouldn't kill them because, like, they're not people enough to be killed. Yeah, what? Well, he also doesn't kill children unless they're in the way of something. No, no, wait, wait, wait. But I'm saying, saying, remember, he's walking throughout (laughs) the neighborhood, and he doesn't kill everybody in his path. I think that is interesting. That, what, the murder of that child was very intense and i just okay i remember that he killed a child and but when when was it in the car in the car because the little boy and his dad right it was like i want to be a dancer i want to be a dancer (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm narrative literally... was punishing him for being yeah, gay. Yeah, I was thinking that. I was like, they're not going to kill this kid. He just admitted he's gay to his dad. This is, um, you know the play that we read, the dad shuttle? Dad That's shuttle. what it reminded mm-hmm. me of. Oh my gosh. But I was also like, yay, getting rid of your kid actors fast. That's the way to do it. Yeah, That's that the way kid it. actor but... was like not that great though. I mean, again, I think, I think it's unethical to have children well, in movies. Really anyway. really good kid actor. Tea. Oh yeah, they had the really good kid actor in there. Okay, I will say he he would do his... d- he's funny, no. but he does fall into like the kind of sassy black trope a oh, lot. Oh yeah, oh, yeah but God, he's totally. so funny. He's so like, cute. He's so sweet and cute. I love where he's like, I know what Alakazam is, Vicky. Like, yeah, you're fucking so dumb if you think that I like. And the kid's cursing, and I was like, wow, this is a lot. But like, he was good and fun to watch in his his um chemistry with vicky in that scene makes that scene so much better which is like interesting i think also by revealing more information about the victims we find things that the narrative punishes them for like if we just saw the kid and his dad and the kid didn't say anything about like going to dance class it would have not changed anything. but the thing is is that the now that we know yeah the movie wrote that in like they put that in Mm-hmm. So then that's that like now if the movie presents thing. something like it's like so I've been learning a lot about like the difference between having gay characters die and barrier gays, which is like a trope. Um I think this movie falls into barrier gays cuz this kid discloses that he's gay or like like queer coded. He like he he's he's not like I'm gay. He's like I I'm a dancer, dad, and I don't want to go hunting with you. So <laughs> he's like coded like he he presents his like codedness um and then is immediately offed by the narrative. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I know. I feel like in this new movie, the 2018 one, this was just something that they did like the two police officers who talk about Bon Me. Bon Me? Like, oh my god. Like, they put in these little tiny, like, two-minute little scenes before these characters get killed just to... It, it, the, the reason I was so frustrated that it was had a comedic tone was because I felt like it was a cheap way to make these characters seem personable because it was like every single time these character, these minor characters were killed, they had like a three minute little scene that was like a little funny um and had like nothing like barrier gaze but also barrier bond me like it doesn't it was just (laughs) it just seemed useless that's so funny that you feel that way harris because i kind of like was like wow i like that they're not cannon fodder like immediately that was kind of a fun thing it was it was more fun because then i care about the struggle then when they're getting killed versus this train like, rider was also so like i don't know they were so heavy-handed like i could feel them breathing down my neck mm-hmm. like like the whole movie is like the dialogue's really flashy um that's like i think that's the marvel quip thing that's such mm-hmm. a like Completely. even star wars has changed to do that i think well and then you also have scream which was like a huge because it's very quippy but it's very meta that being said though i think scream is better at making you like the victims before they get killed i mean the famous like drew barrymore like switch up where you think the movie's gonna be about her and then she's off in the first like um 10 minutes of the film you immediately like her because she's also it's drew barrymore but i think i think this movie could have like could have gone through one or two more drafts to kind of to like 
uh, iron out the really heavy-handed stuff because I think there's a way to have that moment with Vicky and the boy she's babysitting, and I think you can have the moment with the cops, and I think you can. Oh, I don't want a moment with the cops, but you know what I mean. And like you could have <laughs> the, the moment cops. with the son and his dad, and he's maybe like still talking about dance class, but not like. Yeah, Dad, I'll go with you. Like, I'll go hunting on the weekends. I just, like, don't want to go right. Like, it was, like, too much. Like, everything was, like, a little too much. And I think they could have just, like, eased it in. I I also wonder if, like, the kid being gay and, like, having this conversation with his dad. Maybe I'm reading into it too much. But he's having a conversation with his dad. He's, like, negotiating the terms in which he'll go hunting with him. And I was like, that's interesting because I feel like in the 78 version... Like, this never would have been a thing. I feel like the movie was just trying to tell you, like, wow, it's been 40 years. Like, don't worry, we're not killing people off because they're having sex. We're killing them off before they have sex. Don't worry, we're not killing this kid. Like, we're, I don't know. It felt well, like an interesting... It was interesting. And that's all I'll say about it. I don't think I have thoughts think far This movie that. was kind of trying to, like, be like, oh, yeah, we know that horror is problematic. We're not problematic. I think I think <laughs> quietly a, a lot of horror is can be problematic and that's kind of like what my paper is about is that like if you look at the women of Greek tragedy and all of their endings they feel very final girl e and now you have the final girl and the final girl circuit which is like watching them scream and run away blah 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 like we see it all the time and it's almost as if nothing has changed since then and like the way we view women in these movies the way we view like the reason the final girl wins is because she takes on masculine traits it's because she often uses an object that is considered to be phallic like a knife or a or a knitting needle or like something that she can like stab with i mean jamie lee curtis arms herself with guns there's so many scenes of her like cocking the gun and like and like, we were like oh second amendment you're like oh well well i she's in a different situation which is like it's you know it's whatever but like but but the end she still is using a knife like no matter how many guns she bot or whatever and how many times you see her shooting stuff like it's always a knife there's a lot of writing on that and like what that implies but like I just think that horror is always gonna as long as we think about final girls in this way I think horror is always gonna be like this kind of like little bit of problematic situation I would love I would really love a final boy in something and I think I'm gonna maybe I'll write that but like I don't know I just think it'd be interesting to like I don't know if I've seen anything that's turned it on its head which is weird because it's been like 50 years of slashers and we've never seen something like that and then there's like a whole history of like trans women in horror which is just so problematic and maybe we should do like a silence of the lambs uh episode that might be good because um, there's a lot. There's a lot in there. Um, there's this movie called Sleepaway Camp. And at the end, um, the person who's been revealed to, like, be killing everybody is, um, I, I guess in later movies, she actually ends up identifying as a trans woman. But it's, a like, a kid at the camp who was born male and then was dressed up as a little girl for their entire life because their parents lost their daughter before that kid was born oh so it's a little it's really fucked and then psycho obviously psycho yeah stuff, you know what's the one where the person kills people so that they can wear their skin that's silence of the lambs texas 
That's how it was no. called. Oh, no, sorry. Oh, well, Texas he, okay, Chainsaw. Okay, sorry. Texas Chainsaw. That's Leatherface. Um, but also in Silence of the Lambs, he's got the. Am I just thinking of Ed Gein? But he also I has think the he nickel does have a No, he does do that. He yeah, does do that. He also You're does right. do that. So like, there's and 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 also Texas Chainsaw and Silence of the Lambs are inspired by by the same killer, Ed Gein. So and Psycho. So like, they all are coming from that situation. The However, one killer. <laughs> Well, well, Ed Gein, Ed Gein didn't dress up as. We'll make a movie inspired by Israel Keys. Stop! Israel Keys is the most terrifying. He's the scariest guy that exists. Don't know who that is. Well, he's a famous. He's like a kind of mid-level famous serial killer. He's a serial killer. We don't know how many people he's killed. Is probably the image. The most frightening image I've ever seen in my life is the image that he took of the girl where he sewed her (laughs) eyes open. Oh, I've seen that image. Oh, it's so. it's so I think scary. about it like it flashes through my mind occasionally. I actually I want to talk about kill kits and like yeah, he would yeah. plant kill kits all across the country and then like go back to them and like how many are still like buried in places. Yeah. Sorry guy, what were you going to say? Well, I I don't know. Like we got distracted talking about um coding in horror movies, but mm-hmm. I kind of wanted to talk about like a couple of weaknesses in the screenwriting sure. of yeah, the let's do it. the 2018. Partially because so one of the major themes of the 2018 one is Jamie Lee Curtis has isolated herself from her family and that has like made her life worse. And and like kind of like one of the movie things the movie's trying to say is like, oh, like it wasn't worth it because she didn't have a relationship with her daughter and like what's the point of like living if you're not loving? Like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um but then the the narrative rewards her for doing all those things. And that I just wanted to say that like it was kind of a non sequitur, but I wanted to like mention that she got rewarded for the narrative. From the narrative by doing that because if she hadn't done that she would have been killed by michael myers i think this screenwriter should have done the thing that max rubin once made me do which is where you cut half the words in your script there were so Wordy. many lines that just did not have to exist i nah. remember watching twilight with and because that's adapted from a book there's a lot of voiceover and and um the entire time they kept just going like that didn't need to be voiceover. Like, we didn't need to hear Bella say that. Like, she, like it was implied, like, from the action she was doing. And I just was like, fuck you. Like, sh- I was like, one, shut up. Like, we're watching Twilight. I just want you to watch Twilight. But then also, like, they were kind of right in that, like, there's so much in the physicality and in the body and in the framework and the shots that, like, that did not need to be said, like, explicitly. And I think that this movie really suffers from that. So, like, a screenwriter who wanted to be, like, he really wanted, like, to, like, flex. Like, he kind of, who's the, who's the guy who wrote Social Network? Aaron Sorkin. Aaron Sorkin. So, Aaron Sorkin's got a really famous style in, in his screenplays, and this guy felt kind of like he wanted to be, like, a new Aaron Sorkin. Where he's like, look how flashy my dialogue is. It's, like, natural, but it's not natural. I, like, I don't know. I was annoyed. I mean, I'm sure my screenplays read like that, too, sometimes. It doesn't feel as snappy as, like, I don't know. I I don't know if I would even go as far as to say he was going for Sorkin. Sorkin. I think he was going, I really do think he was going going for, for something. I think he was was going for, like, more Marvel quip. Yeah. Land. Guardians More of the than, Galaxy. Yeah, very was, Guardians of the it Galaxy. It wasn't Sorkin-y, but it was just like, 
I wanted it to breathe. Yeah, I to breathe. Like, actually, I was watching. I was watching Devil Wears Prada again um, a couple of weeks ago, I've and never that, seen that movie. oh my god, Harris, it's so good. That dialogue is really Sorkin-y in a good way. Like it's so snappy. The cuts Sorkin's are so a good. Writer, yeah. That okay. Devil Wears Prada from a screenplay perspective, really tight. Really, screenwriters tight. need to take some notes from Annie Baker. Yeah, uh, yeah, and realize you can say stuff with silence that you can't you can say, say with so dialogue. Much with silence. Um, I feel like it's time. I think it's bitch time. I think so okay. too. This is where we had three minutes of just like unfettered nonsense speaking. Nonsense time. Nonsense time. Ready, set, nonsense. Okay, the ethical lapses of the journalists in Ugh. the 20. 20- I was like, so I was like, you can't just show up at someone's house and interview them in a highly antagonistic way. <laughs> oh my like, god! Like what the fuck? They were okay. so fucking rude. The amount of times the people were like, "Shut the fuck up, Dave." Poor Dave. I really like Dave, and he just gets like killed off camera. First of all, and like, mm-hmm. but I really, I thought Dave was really funny and stupid. Oh, the little stoner guy. Stoner guy. Oh yeah, he's cute. Dave, he was great. I love it. Oh, okay, that that whole part where he's talking, he's like, I don't know, in the grand scheme of things. Things, the murders of a couple babysitters I was like Dave listens to last podcast on the left like he just is like yeah it's fine it's really not that bad like speak let Dave speak let Dave free speak. Dave let let both those people speak the yeah. two friends I wanted thing. them to be the main characters yeah. I wanted them so I'm so upset yeah. they didn't get to I'm have sex they why did like, they kill the boyfriend okay, okay Cameron the boyfriend was so shit yeah. and he was ah uh, okay the I think it was maybe them trying to be like we didn't punish people for being bad in this movie I guess <laughs> But I they know. did, so I, it doesn't I just matter. am sad that, like, they punished Vicky and Dave for dry fucking, but not Cameron for, like... Being um, a, putting a phone in pudding. Putting a phone in pudding and also, like, cheating on his girlfriend. I think it oh, might yeah, have been interesting to see him running away in the Bonnie costume from Michael yeah. Myers. Yeah! That would have been so sick. I was, like, oh. I was like, after he did that, I was like, that's a punishable thing. That would have been so man. good. Yeah, that would have been so good. I'm. I really actually like Vicky and Dave. Like we're such an interesting heterosexual couple, and I think we need more heterosexuals. Oh, like they were them. both bisexual. I, they oh, like they, like they were both bisexual they people were. in a heterosexual. I had a crush on both of them. Me too. I also did. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I stand Vicky and Dave. Um. Uh, even the little boy. Even the little boy was like, "Shut up, Dave." <laughs> <laughs> I liked their little like I liked their little weird like pseudo family where it was like just like this little kid and and his, his bisexual les- bisexual babysitter dads. Ooh, were they punishing um uh Dave for being machismo and wanting to be on a motorcycle? Was that why he was killed? No, I think he's just being a stoner. I think he's just being like a dummy. Like, oh, okay. I liked him. I also was mad at them for giving podcasters a bad rap. Imagine ha- carrying a handheld recorder and that's and recording voiceover <laughs> while you're driving. I was so mad. I was okay, like, the Bitch, sound like- mixing in that moment is really bad. I was when like, they're can talking you please? over each other. Can I say one thing? I love the I love the score of Halloween. I 
shop harris i literally in my notes i was like i love the score the score is so good um wait so i have good. to tell you my scary story i told nita the story oh, on the phone stop. because nita's been listening to me be sad recently but like i <laughs> my dad and brother went and got groceries right after watching the halloween movies and they went down to his car and when they got into his car the bluetooth was connected to something they don't know and it was playing the halloween music lovely it was so scary. and they have no idea how it happened didn't it, it just happen and you had just and you called me almost like right after or something. no it, no? it had happened okay. a couple days ago by then oh, but God. it was so fucked up i was like Cute. fucked up by that we spent the rest of the time being like okay we're about to get murked like <laughs> we're gonna get like, murked this um <laughs> Yeah, the score is really good. The score is so, so fantastic. I was like listening to it while I was writing my paper. So I I used to this is crazy of me, but when I when we were living in New York and I would walk around, I had a walking around New York playlist. Yes. One of the songs on that playlist was the Halloween theme song. So I'd just be like walking at night through the streets of New York while the Halloween Harris, theme song was playing. That's on you being a white man. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, only Harris could do that. Like, I don't think, I think I would pee my pants. Like, I don't think I could do that. Um, I, like, I, like, did not walk around alone at night without, like, someone on the phone. Oh, yeah. Because I'm a baby. I like to I'm talk baby. to my dad. <laughs> okay. I, mean, I, I do look like Slenderman, so I scare yeah. everybody oh away. Oh, my God. Oh, the other thing I forgot to say, it was cool to see in the, in the title card after the, well, the way the title card comes up is sick in 2018. And then the inflating pumpkin, like, Mm -hmm. oh, I was like, I just, you know, lose, like, the time, like, the, like, if the movies are being resurrected, I was like, that's sick. Um, In H2O, just, like, really random, um, in H2O. H2O, just add water? No, in Halloween 20 years later, which is referred to as H2O. He's a mermaid. He's a mermaid. (laughs) He's a mermaid. The only way they could really like disable him as if they threw a glass of water on him in that (laughs) one in that one um lori like get like gets him they put him in a body bag and then they're about to like take him to the hospital or to prison where i don't know and well because he's like and then lori's like no y'all like he's gonna come back like i know this and so she like pulls a cop's gun out of his out of his holster and like threatens the cops and then gets into the ambulance like gets into the car and is like going down to like a river to like go drown him and then he like comes back out of the bag he like opens and then and then she fucking stabs that motherfucker like multiple times and then lights him on fire and then chops his head off with an axe with a fire axe but how does he not die Cause, Cause he's evil. Cause he's evil. <laughs> uh, well, that was like the big thing. That was the big argument back in the day. Was like, is the slasher character scarier if he has no motivation, or is he scarier if he has a real motivation? And that was like a big argument. They get to. They kind of say in this movie that it is like the fear of becoming prey and the motivation of continuing to stay the monster that keeps both Lori and Michael alive. And I was like, oh. Wait, is Lori, like, sick? Why? She No, she, <laughs> no, she like, she's so afraid of becoming prey that she won't die, right? Like, if you take the whole timeline, he can't kill her. He can't. And so I guess this movie, like, refers to the timeline a lot, but doesn't 
obviously acknowledge it, but like, um, we're in bitch why now. I think it's interesting. I hated the twist though with this with the with the psychiatrist in this one where he just so ends up being evil like for really truly for like a no second. reason. I I think in kind of a macro level, mm-hmm. I like don't know if I like watching a villain that can't be destroyed. Mm-mm. It's like why people don't like Superman sometimes because he has so many things. There's no risk. I, I had fun watching the movies and like I I like loved the like like I love the creative murders and like I like a like I love a gore moment. I really liked the body reveal in the first one. Oh yes. Like that was just fun and like ah yeah, gross. Um <laughs> and but I like kind of was like annoyed by Michael Myers as a villain. I was like, why like, like, if Michael Myers can't be killed, then why are we watching this movie? Michael Myers is killing everyone. There's, a, there's like, a weird phenomenon happening in, like, Disney movies and other things, but also because you have to keep franchises going longer, where, like, villains have enough screen time to become more than one-dimensional. And I think that the excuse that Michael is just evil is not enough anymore. Um, it's not enough to go off of, and I think people are, like, more interested by, like, now I can't think of anything where a villain is humanized, but it's fun to see from the villain's perspective what it is that their tie is to, and if they have no ties to anything, it's not even, like, interesting when they come back anymore. Like, I was kind of reading about it, and I agree that part of what makes Michael Myers Michael Myers is that he is unknowable and so like attempts to explain his backstory are kind of like well like that's kind of antithetical to the character but i think i fundamentally find michael myers like beyond the first halloween movie i find him not that compelling i think he's great for one movie yeah you and you've kind of got you've got like freddy krueger you've got jason who actually have like some they have more backstory to them that kind of makes sense Texas Chainsaw has some really fucked up, like, backstory stuff, and it's, and it's, it's fun to explore, but with Michael, I feel like the only, I mean, in the second one, it's, like, revealed that, in Halloween 2, not 2018, it's revealed that, like, Lori is actually his younger sister, and after he kills the older sister, she gets adopted by another family, so that the fam, like, so that the, I don't know, it's very weird. Um, so, like, you kind of have that as, like, he, he's, he is, like, powered by, like, the, the way that he, like, if, it's kind of maybe, like, a Voldemort situation, where it's, like, like, neither can live while the other survives, and I feel like in order to, like, end Michael, like, Laurie has to die, but I don't know, like, I don't know, and, and the movie doesn't go hard in either direction, so it's kind of hard to figure out what it is that is keeping him alive at this point it's been 40 years there's probably no good explanation anymore honestly like i i like again had a great time i just maybe like i'm anti-franchise yeah it's hard i mean i think well also scary movies now a lot of them are one-offs now like midsummer hereditary and they are very satisfying i love a sexy one-off i love a sexy one-off because it's just less time to fuck it up i think if you keep something going for far too long 
the well that's why they had to like erase the entire timeline of halloween to make this one is because they were like we just we can't we there's too much lore like we can't hold (laughs) all of it i think like kill your lore kill your lore franchises that are six or like serial things that are successful are things that are like okay we know exactly how long this is gonna last and we are planning it through to the end because like satisfying stories aren't are usually like like i don't know i'm thinking about like when i write like the process of workshopping like like i i'm workshopping the thing as a whole i'm not workshopping like the first episode of the thing Mm -hmm. and it wouldn't make sense to workshop just the first scene of something because the part of like what is significant about the first scene is that it is part of the whole thing and so like franchise infinite franchises are frustrating because it's like they're always workshopping just like a single scene you're always like just like making one scene that's pretty good but you're never like making a whole thing that's good and that's my beef with franchises i think with slashers you have such a like instant gratification moment too like 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 you just sometimes you're just in it for the kills like there's an entire youtube channel called dead mate where uh james like we love it like he just does a kill count like he's like these are all the kills that happen in this movie uh this is the most exciting one this was the most boring one um and he also is like like six men and two women were killed that's interesting like it's 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 and and it's not that horror is mindless. It's not. Even the slashers are not. Like, they have really interesting things to say. Um, the way gender is played with is interesting and cool. And, and, like, the idea of a final girl is is fascinating to me and, like, continues to be fascinating to me. So I'm not saying that slashers are completely mindless. But I do think, to some extent, if you try too hard to think about it... Um, outside of, like, the way gender is used and the way, like, mo- like morality and ethics are, are, are in play, uh, you're gonna just be left with, like, well, I just wanted some, I just wanted to watch some people get murked, <laughs> like. Yeah, and, and I, I do think, think that's the slasher as a genre is antidote to the gun being an uncreative weapon. Which is a thing that you had problems with. So it's, it's always I always have problems with the uncreative weapon, and um, which is why I love watching horrible murders. Guns are mm. boring. That's why we, gun control is significant because they're boring. They're boring. If you want to go hunting, use a bow and arrow. Ooh. Your dance skills, like the kid. I wish you would have fought off Michael Myers with some sick some dance. Sick moves. dance moves. <laughs> sick moves. I felt like. We were owed some <laughs> sick moves. I think yeah. it's time for the bitch meter. <laughs> <laughs> this is where we like rank the thing on diversity. Gaia, what did we give it for queer? It gets an invisible plus one because Vicky and Dave are bisexual, but it's invisible, so it doesn't count to the score. <laughs> okay, amazing. Um, Harris, what do we give it for gender? A three. There's a lot of a lot of woomps in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of women. The movie's pretty women. much about <laughs> Gaia. <laughs> what are you gonna say? Women, women. Um, they also kill the guy, or they try to. It's great good stuff it's a lot of guy killing it's a lot of guy killing many men die in this film except the one i wanted to die which was the boyfriend yeah it was upsetting for race we gave it a one 
There's just yeah, the, the one kid. black kid. The one kid. It's a lot better. Well, the new one's a lot better than the original in that, but like not by much. Uh, There's it's, exponentially more black people, people in the 19 in the 2018 one because zero is <laughs> is exponentially smaller than one. That Wait. being said, I <laughs> do want to acknowledge that that kid, that actor is great. He is adorable. He's but I think He's going he just, places. He really falls into this like sassy black trope that like was so heavy handed, and I was like, wow, like this needed to rewrite. Like, also, like literally any of those character characters didn't have to be white. Even like even like, Vicky and Dave, Allison didn't even have mm-hmm. to be white. That's like, true. Yeah. You just decided you wanted to only cast white people in your movie, so please consider. Harris, what do we give it for disability? A negative one, because the the, fu- the fucking hospital shit. The fucking shit. hospital With the, shit. Treat your, treat your mentally ill characters with respect and, and like, do some research, she fools. They're not a plot device for, like, scary things, please. Yeah. Fooligans. It's, 28, it's 2020 now, but it was 2018 when they made that, and I'm just, like, ugh. It wasn't that long ago. No. Um, Stop demonizing the mentally ill. Yes, please. You know, the mentally ill are far more likely to be victims of violent crimes than perpetrators of violent crimes. Mm. Anyway. Gaia, what did we give it for body positivity? You know we gave it a minus one. Because for a dollar, cast a fat person. I mean, there is that side character that kisses Allison without her consent. But again, he kisses her without her consent. And he's also just normal looking. He just has a normal body. Uh, but that's demonized because she's like, why would I want to be with you? She's <laughs> like, you're a boring, average-looking man. Yeah, and then for class, we gave it an NA because, like, what the f- like that is, this movie has nothing to do with class. I do have the question as to how Lori afforded all that shit. Yeah. yeah. But uh, she probably gets paid. She probably sold a book. She probably wrote yeah. a book oh, about everything. Definitely. You know, I would. Other journalists have tried to bribe her to get interviews oh, yeah. well and also yeah she'll just be like well i'll take my money then okay so that gives us drum roll please <laughs> two out of ten on the bitch meter yikes um fuck yeah i'm sure if we did the the 1978 version it would also be around the same so this is just kind of for the 2018 one. Is it time for Harris's hot take? I was like, wait, Harris, do you have any <laughs> Harris, what's more? your hottest take? What's the hottest take of this? I mean, I think I already said it, but I think that little boy should have been the hero at the end of the story, and he should have just, like, did a high kick, and then Michael Myers is gone forever. <gasps> and then Lori, Lori puts on the Michael Myers mask, and then she just starts, like, killing, and that's it. I agree. Yo. I mean, yeah, the movie does, like, the movie tells me through, like, the shots that she's the monster. Yeah, like, what if she, like, fully went into that Mm -hmm. and turned, yeah. That that would have gone with the line from the new Jim Crow about violence begetting violence. (laughs) That's why it's so helpful for my paper, because I was like, she literally goes from final girl to monster. Here's another, I think... They had all the kernels for some really, like, great choices and fiery things that could happen. They just, like, didn't let the kernels pop as loud as they could have. Ooh. Um, and I just, I just wish they went a little f- further with some of their choices. Yeah. That was a yeah. delicious take. I liked it. It was that buttery was... and hot. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Okay. 
what are we all working on? Harris, let's start with you. So I've been working on this project for seven plus months where I do a monologue a week mm. on my YouTube channel. So that's what I've been doing. And I'm also working on a poetry collection called The End and also working to start a farm for the houseless community in Piedmont Park in Georgia. So if anybody from Georgia is listening, like hit me up. And what if you is wanna, Harris working on? If you want to help with that, let me know. Wow, I love that Harris. you're starting a farm. Guy and I are all talk. We just said maybe we'll start a farm on a golf course, but Harris I'm still is like... I'm still learning how to farm. Harris already oh, knows everything about farming. I don't know everything about it. <laughs> I am truly just trying to organize people who do know things about it because I think it's a good idea. And I don't have the skills, but other people have the skills. They just need to be together and make some magic. That's yeah. lovely, Harris. Oh my god, I love um, Harris. Gaia, what are you working on? I'm finally in the workshopping phase of my screenplay, which is very exciting for me. Um, and Harris did a reading. Um, Nita was invited but couldn't come. I was flying uh, home. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'm finally workshopping. I'm having good times with rewrites. Um, I think it's, I think auditions are happening soon. So that's exciting for the people who are making the movie. <laughs> And yeah, I guess also I'm working on my scrapbook. That's so cute. My 2020 scrapbook. I was like, I want like more like physical memories of things. Nita, what are you working on? I, once this paper is done, I'm taking a break. But also I am writing, I'm writing a Bollywood movie. Yes, you are. I'm writing a Bollywood movie. I think it'll be fun to take my perspective as, like, a first-gen person who, like, understands all of the genre conventions of a Bollywood movie and then making my own version of it. And I'm really excited about it. And, uh, yeah, it's gonna be fun and, like, weird and cool and, uh, and gay. So what else do you need, really? You want to plug stuff? You can follow me on Instagram at Gaia Rose River, or you can follow me on writing Instagram at Gaia River Rose. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Nita underscore Thadani, T-H-A-D-A-N-I. You can follow me on Instagram at Wacky Inflatable Fan Man and on Twitter as Wacky Fan Man. There's a trend. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. You can follow the Bitch Why Podcast on Bitch Why Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. And you can send us an email at b.tchwhy at gmail.com. Craig, Thanks to Craig, thank you for your email. Um, we are compiling a list of resources uh, because Craig asked us to on justice and those i'll post about them on the instagram soon please leave us a review and rate us on itunes and or wherever you get your podcasts uh it's great for the algorithm all of the resources referenced will be in the show notes thank you to our editor and co-producer and gay god cameron (laughs) and our graphic designer jillian happy holidays bitches Happy holidays. Happy holidays. What a way to start the year. Start vamping for New Year. Vamping. Just a little vamping. Okay, enough. Bye. (laughs) Bye.